0: For those of you who haven't been here, let me just give you a very quick overview of how we're going to go through Isaiah, all right, to sort of set some expectations. So we are starting in chapter 1. We will go chapter 1 all the way through chapter 66, all right. For those of you who have been part of the study before, you know, sometimes we can go very slow at times. Uh, Galatians, we took, you know, a lot of weeks. (laughs) Um, My... My hope and what I see and what I understand with what's going on in Isaiah and what we're going to do with Isaiah in particular is we are spending a fair amount of time in chapter one, chapter one through two five. And I would say as much as you can read that over and over again, chapter one through two five, one one through two five, because it is really the prelude and introduction to the rest of Isaiah. So why we're we spending so much time in that part is to sort of really get down the overall themes and get down the overall, what is God going to teach us out throughout Isaiah? And then once we do that, it's sort of like we'll go from first gear into second, into third, into fourth, and we'll, we'll sort of, like, you know, taking a road trip. You know, there's going to be places in Isaiah where we're going to go through pretty quickly, all right, because we're like, well, we've seen that before, <laughs> all right? And there's going to be times that we'll really slow down, okay? And so... Um, I don't know when those will be. We'll see how, as we start going through. But so, as an expectation, you know, in, these, in this next, in this, in this beginning here, we're going to be going somewhat slow and actually really looking at what's being talked about. Um, and even just now, we're going to start to speed up um, in the next couple of weeks, even through chapters 1 and 2 5. But that's really sort of our approach, just to give you guys that expectation as we're going through. Now, if you want to open up to Isaiah, where we are at is we last week covered up to um, verse 3 in chapter 1 and so what we have looked at is we've looked at just very quickly where it talks about the vision of Isaiah uh, and we looked at some of the information there just around Isaiah himself we don't know a lot honestly about Isaiah a lot of people try to guess. (laughs) guess. <laughs> Pretty much everything about Isaiah is a guess, and we talked about how it's a guess because Isaiah doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't tell us much about Isaiah. And that's probably very purposeful, because for a prophet, um, and even, um, I think, is it Ezekiel? Jeremiah? I mean, the prophets themselves, Amos, even Amos talks about, I mean, it's like they, they their, their focus is not around themselves. Their focus on, is on proclaiming the message of the Lord. All right. And so their focus is not on trying to tell you about who they are. Their focus is on trying to listen to what God's telling them and to speak that to the people as prophets. All right. So that's what we talked about in verse one. And then last week we looked at this section of two and three. And one, and if you want to, so I, we use a big word. So in one, one. I just called what's happening in 1 1, and I use the big word there, superscription. Okay? Um, so 1 1 is really a superscription. And then 2 through 3, I identified as really the problem. <clears throat> All right? And what is, what's the problem? I mean, why, why is the Lord even speaking? Why do we even have the book of Isaiah? Um, and it's interesting, you know, just like we got the book of Galatians, we got the book of Galatians because there was a problem. We pretty much have the whole Bible because there's a problem. <laughs> all right? We would have just had Genesis 1 and 2, and that would have been it. Okay? But, you know, we had a problem in Genesis 3. <laughs> all right? Um, so that's a lot of what you see with all Scripture is something's happening because something's going on between the people God created and and um, him in their relationship. So, uh, so in 2 and 3... Um, that that passage, and I'll just read it right now, just just to, so to sort of view it. It says, "Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children, I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand." Really, in these two verses, you have pretty much the whole message of Isaiah captured right there okay part of it is you can see at the very beginning hero heavens give ear, O earth that's god calling upon his creation to say my creation is witnesses and that's that's in essence he's calling upon his creation that the, the heavens the earth and saying this is my witness and because i am now going to speak <laughs> all right and you can see he says that and for the lord has spoken and what we've looked at in the last couple of weeks is what is the opening words that God has spoken, which is the very, very first word that God uses is the word children. All right, and we spent a whole a whole week on just looking at children because really that word for children is is the Hebrew word benim or ben or benim. It really means sons, and sons means male and female okay okay it means so it's always when you read children when if you read the word sons plural the name it is referring it's not a a word meaning masculine or feminine it's a word speaking of a relationship with the father a relationship with god all right and so the very first thing we read was that the very first word and i just think this is really (laughs) pretty amazing actually is the very first word that God opens up Isaiah with is he says you are my children alright and we went back and we looked at how in the Exodus is when God first called his people my children and so we went back and we looked at all Exodus and saw how in Exodus is the very first time God calls his people children he created them before but he actually says he says to, and to Pharaoh, These are my chosen sons. These are my chosen children. I'm like, taking them out of here. <laughs> okay? Which is what you have in the Exodus. All right? But you notice that, so as children, what God's doing is He's saying, I am Lord. I am your Father. All right? By the very fact that He says children, and notice how He says, Children, have I reared and brought them up? He's saying, I'm, I'm your Father. Okay? you are my children I have chosen you it's not just that I have created you but I have chosen you to be my children because I care for you and that caring is most demonstrated for, the, for Israel that caring is demonstrated through what God did in the exodus All right. so in essence we have a God who starts right off saying you are my children I am your father and listen to the language here. He says, Children, I have reared and brought up. So it's like he's looking and saying, I raised you up. How many of you have kids? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you know what it's like to try to raise kids. Okay. As a father, you think about what it takes to raise up your kids. All right. But also then we see that it says, um, Children, I have reared and brought up but <laughs> and here is the big change okay it's almost like you see Genesis 1 God created the heavens and the earth God created humans to be in relationship with him for him to watch over them okay but <laughs> they sinned and here we have the same thing we have Genesis 3 taking place in the but okay but they have rebelled against me I mean that is the story of scripture that's the story of our lives, all right? And so what we did last week is we looked at that in a lot more detail because this is really ultimately the overall theme, I'll say, of Isaiah. Is is he, God saying, I have your father, I have raised you up to be my children. And I'm sure you fathers who have had children, this has occurred. <laughs> They rebel, as children do. All right. And that's really what you have here is this, this relationship between a father and his children and what's going to happen when they rebel. And what are they supposed to be? So we looked at that. And I'm going to give you a quote um, to sort of look at this a little bit more detail. Is So there's a guy named... Cyril, And we'll do this some. Um, we will take a look at not just what people say today about Isaiah, obviously what was going on in the culture at the time of Isaiah, but also take a look at what some of the early church fathers and what they said. Um, I have a whole commentary that actually is all is written by some of the early church fathers in the first couple hundred years where they have written about Isaiah. And we'll sort of learn about what they've actually said. At the very beginning, you know, you know, 100 AD to 400 AD or so. Okay, and so there's one guy named Cyril of Alexander. He lived in 376 to 444 AD. Um, he's counted as one of the church fathers. Uh, and um, 376 to 404. Yeah, 376 to
1: 444.
0: 444. 444. Yeah, 444. So that's, um, and he was, he's counted as one of the church, early church fathers. Um, He actually has, people have given him the titles of Pillar of Faith. That's a nice title to have. Seal of All the Fathers. (laughs) All right, some titles about him. He was a patriarch of Alexandria, an influential theologian who played an important role in the formation of the classic doctrines of the person of Christ. So really early on about who was Christ and talking about that. And his writings include an entire commentary he did back in those days on Isaiah. All right. And this is what, hey Steve, um, this is what he says about verse 2. So this whole part of here, oh heavens, well actually the, the part of children I have reared and brought up. And this is what he said. He said, Note that the text, meaning one, two, um, note that the text says not only that he begot these children, not only that, you know, these are my children, I begot them, but also that he raised them up. That is, he cared for them. For after Israel had been liberated from slavery in Egypt, it was not abandoned, Israel was not abandoned by God, or deprived of God's loving nurture for Israel, I love this part. For Israel was raised by an extremely affectionate father who truly loved his Uh child and children. I love that. And I think that is really the heart of our God that we're seeing here at the beginning of Isaiah that we're gonna see throughout. Is why is why is he calling out Israel on so many things and the judgment and the language he uses is because ultimately he is an extremely affectionate father who cho- truly loves his children and wants his children to come back to that relationship with the father. All right. And we're going to, that you can think of, what what's the whole point of Isaiah? Ultimately, that's the point. Because we have a God who is not just up there, who's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to give you this wrath but we have a God that truly loves us. And we're going to see in Isaiah that theme throughout. All right, And so um, that's why last week, for those of you who were here last week, we, I, I went and looked at some place in the New Testament to say where in the New Testament does it best capture this idea of a father who is extremely affectionate and truly loves his children? What is the best representation of that in all of Scripture? I would say, mm-hmm. and we went and we looked at that last week. Anybody who wasn't here last week, anybody want to guess what that is? The prodigal
2: son. Prodigal son. Yeah. So
0: we did. We looked at we looked at the prodigal son parable, because the prodigal son parable really captures probably best in all of Scripture this idea of how much God really loves us. Who are we as his sons? Are we the son that we, you know went off wayward? Are we the son that's the older son? Um, you know, if, if you look at that parable, and we looked at it in more detail last week, very quickly, but we looked at how, when you look at the culture of what that parable says, it speaks of a father who radically risks his entire reputation risks everything for his children okay and the thing though is that in that parable we just we went through it not all the way through to the older son maybe we'll cover that in the next couple weeks but we went through that and there's a point in the parable that gets missed and that point which is probably the most important point is that the son that has gone, the wayward son that we call the prodigal son when he comes back and the father just radically runs after him I mean this is in that culture it's completely like unknown I mean people would the shame that father would be experiencing within the town that he was part of to see him do this for his son but when his son who's been wayward comes back the father does something that can be easily missed if you don't understand the culture. Because what the father does is what our father, God, wants all of us as his sons to do. Okay? And what he wants to give us. And so in that prodigal son parable, we get to the point where the father does what? Anybody remember this?
1: Ring, robe. That's right. Best,
0: best the father gives the son the robe, robe. the Feast. ring, the ring, yeah even before the feast sandals. and the, and that's good about the feast too All everything he does the robe the ring and the sandals in essence the father is saying I now confer unto you that no longer are you only my son you now have bestowed up, I've been upon you the authority of me as the father you are now to become the father alright and which is part of the reason why the older son reacts the way he does alright um, and the feast even speaks of royalty, it speaks of a like we are now, come on town this wayward son is now actually going to become the one who is going to become the father, ultimately and so what you see in the prodigal son parable is actually what is going on in Isaiah is in Isaiah God doesn't just want us to be his children he wants and expects us and has raised us and reared us to ultimately become fathers like him. Okay, and yet we're not doing that. Is what happens in Isaiah. All right, and so that's really sort of the theme you will we will see as we start going through Isaiah. Is this is what God wants? He doesn't want us to just like know about Him. He wants us to be in this intimate. Relationship with Him, and that's why you you see pretty much everything we're going to see within Isaiah. Okay, so that's why you have this whole part: "Children, have I reared and brought you up? Why did He rear them and bring them up? Ultimately, to become like Him, and to become that light to the world. Uh, and that's why we're reading Isaiah, <laughs> is so we can become like that too. All right." Um, and notice that the, they rebel but then the question is, uh, the question I ask you, why what is it that caused them to rebel what did they stop doing, based on what you see here, in 2 and 3 says they rebelled what did the children stop doing that even probably caused them to rebel
1: Stop knowing God.
0: They stopped knowing God. Excellent. And last week we talked about what does a word know in the Old Testament mean? Anybody remember that?
3: Like, one knows is what? Exactly. It's, okay. intim-
0: it's, a, it's, it's a term of intimacy. Exactly. It's a, a deep, term deep, of deep intimacy deep. and it's a term of relationship. Mm-hmm. Alright, so it's not knowing like I'm going to school... And I'm gonna know about something. Or the Peter comes up to me and he tells me what he knows about what he does at his work. Or it's not even about like Steve comes up to me and tells me all the stuff to know things about Ami. All right? It's not that indirect knowing, it's the direct knowing. is how like Steve knows Ami, I know my wife, Jeff knows Patty. It is a relational knowing. The yada, it says, now I'll just read a couple of things. It, says it frequently runs, it, it, go, it goes beyond head knowledge to ins- include personal relationships. I talked about in Genesis 4.1, the word know is the word yada. That's the, the Hebrew word yada. And it is used, yada is used there to say that Adam laid with his wife. Okay? Okay. I mean, that's, again, that intimacy. And God's saying, I created you to know you personally. Which means that relationship has to keep going. All right? Um, I like this part. It says, know is a covenant word. Israel's knowledge of God came directly out of their experience with God through Egypt and Sinai. Because he had revealed himself in and through the covenant relationship, Israel could know him this knowledge is not primarily intellectual. The word yada and the word understand then come directly out of the experience of actually knowing and encountering God. So as we go through, the key thing we keep will be hearing about is when we hear the word know, <laughs> God is talking about this intimate relationship that He wants us that He wants to have with us. Okay? And that also means that it's not like John with Eleanor where, oh, I know my wife and I don't need to know her anymore.
4: <laughs> That's only the beginning.
0: Right. It's this constant ability to know. It's this constant ability to stay in relationship with God. Okay. So where did we read? Where have we been reading? For those of you who have been here, where have we been reading about where we see the main theme of Isaiah that's actually used in, throughout the New Testament too of where God sort of bringing judgments said these people are not knowing me. Anybody remember where that is? Where is that? We keep reading every week and we will probably read every week. We will read every week. Is Matthew? No. In
3: Isaiah.
0: 2-5. No. Oh, in Isaiah. no. Oh, 6. 6? Isaiah 6. Yeah. All right, so let's turn there. Okay, so Isaiah 6. This is, and when we get to Isaiah 6, we will um, we will look at this in a lot more depth. Um, but what happens in Isaiah 6 is that Isaiah gets a vision. Hmm. This is where Isaiah is actually gets his call. This is like called the call narrative. You know how um, Paul fell off a horse? Okay? God knocked Paul off a horse, right? And and Jesus encountered Paul that was encountering Paul personally that's the call narrative well Isaiah had the same experience Okay, not on a horse but got this vision in it and this vision and I'll just jump right down for time wise if you take a look at verse 8 in Isaiah 6 of page 38 um, Isaiah says I heard the voice from the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then I I, um, Isaiah said here I am send me and God says go and say to the people so now this is starts really this is the start even though we're going to see chapters 1 through 5 6 is where Isaiah in essence says okay this is where I got the call to go and tell my people or go tell God's people this the same people this to know him and listen to what God says so he says Go and tell the people of Israel, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their eyes heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This, In essence, God is saying... I'm going to give to the people. This is what the people are doing. It's really what God's saying. This is what my people are doing. Is they are not hearing. It's going in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Whatever God's saying, it's like, they're not really hearing God's word. They're not seeing what God is doing. And the big one is to be able to understand with their hearts, they've got to be able to hear and see, and they don't so they not only don't hear and see but they don't even understand god all right and so you see this break of a relationship my best example of that is and i'm sure for you guys who are married this never happens to you where you're having a conversation with your wife and your wife just goes are you listening to me that's right okay is it are you hearing me is it going one on one or not the other <laughs> Sounds that's sort of the hearing part right <laughs> But then this is the understanding part, where your wife says to you, you just don't get me, do you? You just don't get what I'm saying. I keep telling you, and you just don't get it. All right. That is understanding. That is like when your wife knows you get her. She knows you understand her. She knows you know her that's the same thing God's talking about here he wants us to get him he wants us to get God Okay. he wants us to know how much he loves us he wants us to obviously obey him he wants us to become like him Okay. so this is sort of the whole theme that we're seeing throughout Isaiah as we go through here now here's a little test question the word yada, know, is actually in what I just read. So I talked about knowing God, right? Intimacy. The word know is actually here. You don't see it. All right, it's sort of hidden. But it, notice how it says, keep on hearing, but you do not understand. Keep on seeing, but you do not perceive. Actually, that word perceive is a word yada. It's actually No. So God is saying, you hear me just like I said about our wives, you hear me but you don't get it all right you don't understand you're seeing it but you just don't really know me you, you've, you've stopped knowing me all right what do you think causes that? I mean why I mean we see what they did they rebelled why do they rebel because they stopped knowing Knowing. God. How do we know God? Seek Him. Okay, we seek Him. How do we know Him? I mean, how?
2: Well, we read Scripture.
0: We re- we read Scripture. Can exactly. We believe it? I mean, the, the the Word of God is called the revelation of God because it is God's way of saying, "This is the way you know Me." All right. I mean, I'm not going to know Gil. I know Gil. Why? Because we go to breakfast about once a week, and we sit down, we talk back and forth to each other. And he knows me probably more than I want him to know me. Okay. <laughs> but any, he knows
2: I'll, I'll, anything he wants to know. About. <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's how do I do that? It's through communication. It's to be being with Gil, and exchanging words. That's exactly the way we know God. The presence of God lives in us. Can't get any closer. I mean, our wife cannot even get that close. That's right. Spirit lives in us. All right. But how do we know? and find out who is this person. How do we do that? Through the Word of God. That is why the Bible is so different. Is Through this Word of God is how we know. There is no no other way of really knowing the revelation of God, except personally. Now I'm going to say the Spirit does work, and as we see, the Spirit will direct people, and the Spirit will speak to people individually and say certain things. But when you want to know something is truly the revelation of God, really know God, it is through the Word of God. It has always been that way for the church. It's been through that way through Israel. I mean, this is how Israel found out about God, was he spoke through a prophet who wrote it down and says, these are the very words of God. For you to know him personally. Okay. So, anyway. Any questions there? Yes.
4: Um, Well, I'm just curious... I don't mean this sacrilegiously. It sounds a little passive aggressive.
0: It sounds passive aggressive? Right. In what like, way? Go tell
4: them. Yes. To, but they're not like, tell them, it's like you say, tell them not to. Tell them to keep misunderstanding.
0: Right. Right.
2: Well, and why? Why does he
0: say well, that? Well, and we're going to see that when we get to it. So I'm not going to go into too much detail. But this is, this actually section of Isaiah is key to the rest of the story of the Bible. It is used by Jesus over and over again. It is used by the Apostle Paul. It is the last words the Apostle Paul says in Acts? Mm-hmm. It is this thing here? It is. It is a way of, in essence, saying. It's sort of like with Pharaoh, hardening of the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is this combination, and it's almost a little bit like Romans one. Yeah, I'm giving these people over. This is. They're already doing this. And I'm calling them on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so you can look, as opposed to so much passive, against aggressive, like, I'm going to make the people do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, you've already done it. I'm sort of giving you over to it, and I'm calling you on it. Because if you don't get that this is what you're doing, right. well, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in essence, it's like he's just saying this is what it's, you know, it's like yeah. He's
4: doubling down on the urgency of it, or something
0: like. that. Well, I, more than doubling down. Yeah. I mean, he's just saying this is it. It's, it's you're just you're not. It's like your wife going, "You don't hear me. You're not listening to me. I if you don't get this, okay, you know." And you you start hearing about it, what's going to happen to the relationship. You start hearing a relationship is breaking. Yeah. All right, and it's like, you know, a lot of times what do you have in the relationship of your husband and wife, or the breaking of a husband and wife relationship, is because either or both parties pretty much stop being willing to really know the other. But in the past, it's like it a, a what you're saying, yes, yeah, it's a device. It isn't. It, 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 it is a it yes. later. Yeah. yeah, we're going to see it. Yes, it we're is. Not. Call it a device, but it's it's okay. done. Not just this device, this done is just a crying out of a father who is so sick and tired of his children and saying, This is it. You've got to, you've got to wake up. All right. And, And Jesus does this, Jesus, just so you know, Jesus uses this passage right here at the key places in the gospel. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is the passage that occurs. Before Jesus starts telling his parables and really teaching the people, because he's saying, back in Isaiah's time it was like this, in our time with Jesus like this, and then Paul's doing the same thing, and it's really to us today. This is this is that. Are we today abandoning God?
1: So we're yeah, <laughs> what he's what seems. Glaringly obvious to me on this, uh-huh. and again, if especially when you start listening to Isaiah on audio, you're like, dude, just over and over again, he's just going. In. This little section right here is, you are making this choice. It is a choice. Let's be just clear, be clear. right? That's it. It's not even that I'm mad at you. It's not being passive-aggressive. You are choosing that. Lest you choose to see with your eyes. You choo- choose to hear. You choose to understand. And the only way you're going to do that is through me. Yeah. Otherwise, you're blind. Right. As
2: I listen to it, uh, try to listen every morning, I, I constantly get to the place where I have to turn it off. Because I get so irritated with with, with the Jews <clears throat> slash us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was saying <laughs> yeah. slash us. Right. And me, you know, and I think, uh-huh. oh, come on, Father. And then I realize, you know, it's me. Yeah. I think I'm so great, and I'm absolutely nothing, and I, I hate. To, being told it, but Isaiah is, is is repetitive and it gets right to your heart. Right, slices the sword but sli- is very very sharp.
0: Yeah, and I think just don't give up. I mean, for us, we all had fathers, and what do, what do we who are fathers say? What are we called to do? Okay, I mean, did your father ever say, "Grow up"?
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and my father.
0: No. <laughs> all right, I mean. This is what we're called to do by God. You're going to, we're going to see this I Isaiah. Is that we are still his children. We're always his children, just like our children. My daughter, is, I'm always going to be her father. Okay? But she's 22 now. And it's like, you know, you're learning to grow up into adulthood. All right? And she's going to become, I hope, to God. She'll be a mother one day. If you have sons, they will be fathers one day. In essence, with this passage, what God's saying is, grow up. It's time to grow up. And I love you so much, and we need to stay in this relationship, but you need to now also start
5: taking upon the role of me to this. I mean, how how yeah. much of this is prophetic? Because it, uh-huh. and then it goes into how long, right? And there's the prophecy. And when Jesus repeats this, it's like, why are we surprised that you're rejecting the Messiah? Because it was prophesied yes. that this is the way that it would happen. Yes. Why exactly did God choose to do it that way? But but it's it's prophetic. So why do why does Israel <coughs> reject the Messiah today? Because it was prophesied that it would work out like that until Revelation, when their eyes are finally opened and they see it and they weep over it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's the biggest thing that they missed. What's their biggest blindness? Missing the Messiah, mm-hmm. the promised one, right? Um, but what is verse 10, what's the first word there mean? Make. What does that mean? Where are you at? Oh, in uh, verse, verse 10, Oh, uh, In 6? Yeah, what, what does the make mean? Let's, hold on, God's me telling go. Isaiah to tell them this, but it's saying make. You know, make the hearts
1: of these it, people dull. probably oh, directed well, to the Pharisees and sanhedrin they're, they're leaders. Well,
0: he's, okay, so this goes to what Jeff said, this passive aggressive sounding type thing. And again, we'll go, when we get to did this. How Isaiah make it? This, that's right or, so what's, what' Isaiah Iaiah' not spending too much time because again we'll we're, we're yeah. what's, what's happening is think of it God is making this call to Isaiah and what does God use prophets for in a lot of ways the main thing of a prophet is not to prophesy mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the future. The main function of a prophet is to call the people on the carpet okay and say you have turned away and rebelled against your God and to call
5: people back. All right. Unless they're doing something good, which is well, which is more rarely the case. Yeah. And right. He's praising them or saying, you know, we're going to win this victory or exactly. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you see that with David, and we'll see that as we go through here. We'll see what the people do do. There are a lot of good things that people do do. And you look at David. Okay. David's a good example of that David, you know, he did what God told him to do. He has heart after God, and he took over this entire land of Israel. And everything looks really, really good. But even David, the one who in the, all of Scripture is the one that's called out, you have a heart for God. You understand God. You really get God. What does David do? Same. It just doesn't take long. He gets lax. And and because of that, the whole nation falls, splits apart, and you have Isaiah. And we have Isaiah we're reading because one person
2: mm-hmm.
0: who was the leader of, who was supposed to be the father, taking upon now the role of David's a king. What's the role of the king? The king in Israel is always, that's why Saul didn't make it, is always to be God to the people.
5: But David is yeah. only spoken of good in Isaiah. There's nothing disparaging about David and Isaiah uh-huh. because it says my servant David or my friend David. Yeah. But
0: well, you will see that in, in yeah. Isaiah. Well, we'll, and we'll go through all that. Yeah. But but I think here, I guess going back to your question, that's that's sort of what Isaiah's doing as a prophet. He's actually both calling the people on it, but also basically saying, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't wake up. You're going to see a lot of like judgment. God says, you know, I'm going to wipe these guys out. We're going to see that in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to wipe these guys out. But God's not, and we saw this even with Paul, ultimately is to try to get the people to turn around. Even maybe knowing that they're not going to or only some are going to, he's still making the call he's still saying, listen to me, it's like you know, your dad's saying you're running out into the street, how many times have I told you not to play in the street get back here, if you play like this, you're going to get hit by a car or something, you know come back, and the kid still plays he gets hit by a car or something, I'm just, you know that illustration comes up in my mind but in essence, you're seeing God really say this is it in essence, alright right. so, in an ironic way, what the people are doing, God's are actually going to sort of allow them to do. It almost, He's almost telling Isaiah, just tell the people to do what they're doing. Ever, it's like Romans 1. Did you ever tell your kid, well, go ahead, go play in the street. Yeah, see what happens.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
4: yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, you can think of it like that. Yeah. No, seriously, I think that's probably a little bit of what's happening here. Does that make sense, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. And again,
4: uh, hey. we'll, we'll see hear hear yeah, one time see. I had a waiter that came up and I said, hey, is this any good? And he says, oh, don't order that. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, if you order that, that's all you'll order from now on. <laughs> 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 okay, well, I see funny. what you did there. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> such a brilliant sound. I kind of weird. hear something yeah. like, he's <laughs> going, you know what, don't, don't listen. Yeah. a Temptation, right? you're like, Maybe that will jar you
0: enough to hear yeah. go, I'm going to say it, but you're not going to listen. Right. You're like, okay, maybe I will. It's, it's that whole idea of, okay, well, Pharaoh. Yeah. Well, it's not Pharaoh's fault then, because God hardened his heart. Yeah. No, but it is Pharaoh's fault. Okay. It's the same type of thing going on. Yeah, um, right. Right. You know, yeah. it's this.
5: Right.
0: Again, Romans it's 1. Be, it's I'm like going to give the people over finally to what the very things they're doing.
4: Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um,
4: Okay, a little clarification. So, you know, with Pharaoh, they come out of Egypt. They're out in the the desert. Is the, is it like? Is that, until it goes into the holy? The Lord. That is God. Yes. That is a very so, I mean, presence of looking God. looking at a
3: pillar of fire. At That's, night, right.
4: That's right. That's
0: right. Until he goes in the holy holies. That's until, right. Is God always manifest like that? In, in that. At that time. Yes. God's presence and we could go through it at some point I could walk you guys through again if you haven't been through I done I did it in one of our things where you actually see the way God is present with his people and speaks his people changes over time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you remember when we did Hebrews we see the ultimate last change Hebrews 1:1. 1, 1. In the past I spoke through the prophets
2: mm-hmm.
0: but today I now speak only through Jesus. Okay, so, and then how's Jesus, what happens with Jesus? He speaks through Jesus, how? Through the teachings of Jesus, and then through the Spirit, his presence, though, is now in us. So you see that you have what I call, I did a whole, like, paper on this, actually, fuller. You see, always God presents himself as a personal presence and communication of words. Okay. At first those words come through Abraham, or he speaks to Abraham. I mean he has a conversation with Abraham. Okay? Like, wow, how how's that happen? Speaks to Moses. And he talks to these one people, and then through them, they speak to the people. Okay. First of all, it's just oral, but then you see this change in Exodus where all of a sudden it becomes written down by the finger of God. All right, and you start seeing it written, and that's what you see in Isaiah. You see Isaiah, God has told Isaiah this, and then it gets written down. But what's written down is the actual words of God that we still can have a relationship with God through those words and His presence. So, so the in me- Exodus, the message,
4: I, I am your God. I love you. Seek me. Yeah. I want relationship with right. you. And He's out in the desert. Yeah. I mean he, they've just come out of this incredible you know history with the biggest army there is right and they're being preserved and protected by by God Almighty his father God his father loves them right and is always there I'm
0: with you you're my firstborn son God calls him remember okay and so God's presence is there through the cloud but then he takes Moses up on the hill and talks to Moses who then goes and talks to the people what God says. But so funny I don't want to spend too much time on this what's so funny is there's a great part here where the people actually say because of their own sin and that presence of God they actually tell Moses tell God I do not want God speaking to us directly
2: right.
0: speak through Moses because the people do not want to hear with their ears mm-hmm. see with their eyes understand they yeah, they would
1: hide their eyes
5: yeah
0: okay so you just see this throughout all the scripture okay but in tremble I mean in tremble yeah yeah Yeah. 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 what well, was me I'm undone back to Isaiah right?
5: yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Kind of
2: thing. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: you say it's like Peter
5: yeah yeah they, they were like afraid because it was like the thunder at Mount Sinai right yeah thunder and lightning mm-hmm. and don't touch the mountain or you're going to die and, right you know this is the presence of God like okay just well, you deal with that and just bring us, you know, whatever we believe yeah. you
0: know. But what you see the people do, and very important to watch this sequence that happens, the people start out by saying, "Yes, what you said, Moses, is what the Lord says, and we will do what the Lord says." So you see the people accept what Moses' speech is as God's word. It mm-hmm. literally is God's word through Moses. Okay. Um, so you just, but again, you see this this change over time. Okay, and that's what we're seeing right now we're seeing that the people can't hear so what does God do? He speaks through prophets and the prophets speak to the people and the and what's written down so the people will relate with God through the written word of God um, I mean the written word is something that's been around for all the time I mean it started where? with the finger of God writing on the Ten Commandments on the tablets there's a first example of God in a written form, saying, This is my word, and through my word you will know me. And ultimately now we have <laughs> you know the
3: whole thing. You know interesting yeah. back to what Peter was saying when he says make yeah these people it's like it's like God's declaring this thing. Like and I looked up make and it's like cause. Probably it is, is it's important. like a cause saying well, make it publish is.
5: or making the in Hebrew what the Hebrew word is for make I, I couldn't yeah, find I, it in I, and Hebrew I can tell you what Hebrew it is, is yeah.
0: but yeah I mean that's but that's what's happening and there's so much written about this just this one passage because it's so key to he doesn't what I will make
1: were. He says make
5: yes the right. uh, so what's the Hebrew on that well, That would be interesting because I, cause I know, He's is, speaking
3: you know. that to the people right what yeah. I, I thought was interesting about that he did that one time before and I think it was to uh, Jehoshaphat when he said, Who will who will go uh, deceive Jehoshaphat? And this one of the angels of God comes in and goes, I'll I'll put a lying spirit in his prophets. And all the prophets will say, Go to war, go to battle. And there was only one prophet that stood up. Uh, and I think it was maybe it wasn't Jehoshaphat maybe Jehoshaphat was the good king and it was Asaph or something like that but the one prophet comes in and goes I see all of Israel scattered in the mountains without a shepherd and then right away the king knew that the prophecy was about him and he's like I told you he never prophesied but it's that time where God goes who will go forward and deceives the king. It's like, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Yep.
0: Yeah, so I will look more into this, but what's interesting is there is not, looking at this right now, no, no, no. there is not really the Hebrew word for make. There's no. not a word. It, there's not in Hebrew a word for make, for make here. It's It literally starts out, um, and I'll have to look. I might just be missing it. No, I must be missing it.
3: I have a strong
0: Recordings like the book it's that thick, it has it everywhere. It's all about. Yeah, my, my computer is like going super slow. Um, come on. <clears throat> right before I started, I noticed that, um, I was out of storage space. Come on. There we go. Um. yeah so the actual it, it looks it's dull. I will have to look but it, it might not be that make is the it might not be that the, there's an actual make there there's heart of this people dull and their ears heavy um, I'm not sure what the verb is there but in essence, he's declaring this people's heart is dull. This people's heart is heavy. So I think we put in the word make there. There's not actually a Hebrew word for make in that Which part. Which is
5: an important distinction. Yeah, yeah. 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 I
0: mean, but I think it's like a, he's declaring it. Said. It's like he's declaring it and we're putting... And this is what happens with Hebrew. <laughs> you, you end up having some stuff. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll go through that more detail uh-huh. as we go through Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. We'll, we'll spend... We'll, we'll, we'll spend some time on that. Um, make dull is one word.
4: It's what? It's make dull is one yeah,
0: word. Yeah, so is dull the verb? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was trying to, like, my, my computer's going super slow. So there you go. So dull is a verb. Mm-hmm. So it's like make dull, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense?
5: <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> no yeah, pun intended. I just, yeah, you got to look at it, I guess.
0: Yeah, so I think, and I think is heavy also a verb? Uh-huh. And yeah. Okay. See, I can't. My computer is just completely. So there you go. So heavy and dull are so the verbs. The here is
4: dull. Make dull the heart.
0: Yeah. There you go. Okay. So that's why you're using the word make. It's like dull this heart. Dull this. And we don't talk that way. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like he's declaring this. It's dull. It's heavy. That's the verb. Um, so that's why we use the word make. Okay, all right, good stuff, so let me, um... okay, so yeah. if, so if two and three, I call two and three sort of our problem statement, all right, the ultimate thing to start Isaiah is two and three, God says, I'm your children, you've rebelled against me, you don't know me, and he, he, and I love God, because he just. He has such irony to things, you know, when he says, look, my own animals know, <laughs> and you don't even know my animals know. And I created you to be like me.
1: That's so sad. I mean,
0: <laughs> dumber than <You're> dumb. Dumber, <laughs> dumber than a dog. I mean, that's sort of what he's doing, right? He's a just. Dog <laughs> dog. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's a crack up. I mean, it's yeah, a crack up. It is a crack up. It's just like, really?
5: God definitely has a sense of humor. A donkey right? knows
0: Master's oh, yeah. crib, an ox knows his owner, and you don't even know me? Hello? Okay. Um, you relate better with the dog than you do with me. Or something. <laughs> dog, man's best friend. All right. So <laughs> look at, um, let's turn to four. So four, um, what I've called four through nine is what I call sort of the condition mm-hmm. of the people. So we have the problem. They rebelled. They don't know God. As a result of that, is what we're going to read. Okay. So because they don't know, what has now happened? What's their condition? Okay? What what's the result of the fact that they have not known and they've rebelled? And look at verse four. So i spend a little time um, okay. on verse four. So Dosa says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly they have forsaken the lord they have despised the holy one of israel they are utterly estranged all right so let's just very quickly i want to deal with the word woe um That, that word there you see here, it's very hard to find a, a good English word that translates the Hebrew word here. Um, but it's like a cry. It's, it's like woe is like a cry of grief, of doom, sorrow, death itself. It expresses a grief-stricken sense of loss. Um, and it's really the same word. We just read it without knowing it. It's the same word in Isaiah six when we didn't actually we didn't read it. In verse five of verse of Isaiah six, it says, and I said, meaning Isaiah, woe is me. Alright? Um, same exactly word that, word that's used here. So it's just a sense of like poor you know, poor me, grief, etc. Alright. But I want you to take a look. And notice, um, notice that he's using the same words here in 4 that he does in 2 and 3. So, what words? So, I want you to look for what words do you see used in verse 4 that are the same words he uses in verse 2 and 3.
4: Okay two who rebelled against me for uh, laden
0: with iniquity ok what other words do you guys say children. children ok so I want you to keep them in fact if you have your pen maybe underline children at both places in verse 2 you have children and then in verse 4 you have children what other words like that do you have
1: Well, they have forsaken the Lord. Who's rebellion. who's they?
0: So who's they? Who have for, Who's the children? But who? How else are they? What else are they called here in verse two and three? The sinful nation. Well, no, just two and three. Oh. Okay. Well, let's go back to what you Israel. just said, sinful nation, for a second. So, sinful nation. Where is the sinful nation in verse two and three that's being called out? Israel. Israel. Okay. Alright, what other words do you see being used the same between 2 and 3 and then 4? So you've got children. You see how children gets repeated? Nation would be like Israel. See another word? Under <laughs> what other word do you guys see? Think about how he's identifying who his children are. What words does he use that encompasses when he says children, what other words is he using for children in two and three, and then also in four?
4: Rebelled and forsaken.
0: Okay. But what's I'm trying to think of the identity. People? People. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay? So I want you to notice that in so in two and three you see children. You see Israel, which would correspond to nation. You see people. So you notice mm-hmm. in verse 3. My people do not understand. And then verse 4, you also see the word people. Okay? You guys see that? I want you to notice what God's doing here in His speech. How He identifies who His children are in verse 2 and 3, and then how He refers to them in verse 4. Eight people. Okay? So think about you've got God saying, You are my children. All right, and then he's saying, "But you've rebelled against me. You no longer know me, and now this is who you have become." Okay, so don't
1: you get that sense when he says the the ah ah simple nation? It's, it's, yeah, just uh, people man. Just, grief.
0: It's... You get this idea of emotion from God, the Father, saying,
1: "Oh my God, oh
0: my gosh, my children have just screwed up." <laughs> All right, but look. So I want you. To, so look here, how he changes the way he talks about his people. Okay. So those children, in a very intimate, familiar way, children, I've reared you, I brought you up. How does he refer to children in verse four?
4: They're offspring of He's evildoers. He's not an evildoer. evildoer. There you
0: go. That's somebody else's kid. Exactly. So listen to what. what listen to this breaking of relationship. So Eight they're people. his children, two and three, and now he's saying, but oh my gosh, you are what? Children, offspring of what? Somebody else. Yeah. Very good, Steve. Who mm-hmm. says my
4: people, and then it says yes. a, people. a people.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. My people, and then a people what?
1: Who are offspring of evil? Somebody yes, yeah, not his children.
0: How does he identify those people? So think of the adjectives, see the description these are my people in verse 3 and now you're a people laden with sin and iniquity (laughs) so you see how awesome the identity is like he's calling out and saying you're my children and now you're not my children anymore you're children of evildoers you're my people but you're no longer my people you're people laden with iniquity and look at what it, how he refers to Israel. You're no longer Israel that I called out. You're now what? You're just a what sinful nation.
2: Mm.
0: You see that? I mean, it's like... <laughs> I don't know if you guys have had that with your fathers or you do as a father. I remember my dad. He was a Marine. and He didn't call me some nice names sometimes.
3: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I had a lot of people. Right? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's what you see happening. It's like a father looking to saying You guys have just, you've completely messed up. It's almost like calling it out and saying, You're, You don't look like my child anymore. I don't have, I mean, no way. You're my child? So you see how he's using the same words here to just try to get across this idea of what's happening. You guys see that? All right. So. What do you see as the difference between the first part of verse four, you call four A, and four B, which would be a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evil doers, children who deal corruptly. And then that look at that part, that section, and then they have forsaken the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they are utterly I can't say that word, utterly estranged
1: or it's with they, they, they. Yeah, they. yeah. It's not even you. Very good. So it's almost like... Yeah, you are already that disconnected. Yeah, yeah. Talking about... And what
0: would you call like the first part where he says, Ah, sinful people laden with iniquity, offspring of evil, children who deal corruptly. So he sort of describes them and then he says what they've done. So you get that? You see, what is it these people have done? So it's like he describes who they are. You're sinful. You're full of iniquity. You're coming from evildoers. You're dealing corruptly. But the way you're, you're dealing with your life and dealing with others is corruptly. Why? <laughs> They're forsaken. Alone. That's right. Because they have forsaken. They have despised. They are utterly estranged. You Guys, see that the difference with those two? Mm-hmm. Any questions on it? Do you see what you see? What's happening there?
4: They're unrecognizable.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's like, are these my kids anymore? He's describing what the people were before they knew him, right? It's like, this is, this is who you were from Genesis 3, all the way up to the time I called you. And I called you out, and I saved you to become my people. And yet, what are you doing? What are they doing? They're turning away.
1: Yeah, not just forsaken, despises. Right. The holy one yeah, listen family. to the words. Mm-hmm. They're utterly estranged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't
2: abandon them.
1: No, well, I know. He dismiss them. <laughs> because he's the father, right? That's
0: right. Exactly. Very good.
2: Well, he doesn't even do their own devices, even though he doesn't abandon mm-hmm. them.
3: Yeah.
2: And he, he releases them to their own uh, iniquity. So yeah. there's going to be a time lag there before he brings them back.
5: Before judgment. Yeah. Right. It's it's interesting to see the the um the contrast between the description of the people as evildoers and then the holiness of God. Right? Yeah. Very good. Because God describes Himself a lot as the Holy One of Israel. Right. The Holy One of Israel. Right. So the contrast between the sinfulness. And the holiness,
0: yeah, very good. Very good. You can see that again. That's that's good in the contrast between what's happening in the beginning and what, what he says in the next part. Very good. estrangement is
4: pretty tough on relationships. We all know what estrangement is. Yes, yeah. how yeah. do you make that bridge
0: back? And sometimes it has to be like that, yeah. But how, how do you make the bridge? Well, mm-hmm. that's what I mean, that's yeah. what Isaiah is about <laughs> call the people back,
5: repentance. Yeah. Is the right, which is around. what he's You're going to be right. doing. Yeah.
0: In fact, we're going to see that right here in chapter 1. He's going to right away start calling the people back.
1: Well, I think there's some articulation here that God knows some aren't going to come back.
0: Yeah. And we're going to see that too, right? Yeah. That only a remnant's going to remain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very
1: good. I think John and I were talking about this a little bit the, the other day. Uh, in terms of Why will you, then five, it says, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? Mm-hmm. Why will you continue to rebel and as a result continue to be struck down? I.e., you're making your own choices. These rules are in place. I've put them in place, yes. And in essence, it's my doing. But you're choosing that outcome. Right. Right, John's like, I don't want God to be the guy that does that, you know. <laughs> no, and it's like, yeah, but I mean, is, is God just hey, these, this is, this is the way things work. Right. You get to choose how how it turns out. Yeah. That's the, the freedom we're given. The next right? verse is the whole head is sick.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the whole heart faints.
0: So, there's a little play of words that happened here. Um, So, in Hebrew, something for you guys to know, I'm not going to teach you Hebrew because I can't um, remember most of what I even learned. But, in Hebrew, as a reminder, um, in fact, it's funny because Jeff Jeff came up to me a couple weeks ago, after class here, when I was talking about Isaiah being Divided into 66 chapters. And, you know, the first, some people look and say, oh, well, the first 37 are like the first 37 books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the last one's like that. Okay. That's a nice little illustration. The problem with it is it's really not the way it is because the Bible was never divided into chapters or verses. All right. So we have done that. And we go, oh, that's a coincidence or something. But it's not, it's not like what's what's inspired but are there the actual were six words. 66
1: books, weren't
0: there? The no, there's six, well, 66 six chapters, not even 66 six chapters. No, no, but books. There are books, 66 six books, correct. Yeah, okay. But we've divided Isaiah into 66 six yeah, chapters. Yeah, no, I. If I go read, if you go to the Dead Sea Scrolls right now, which we have, like the book of Isaiah, I've seen it, you don't see chapter. No. Okay? You don't see little verses, all right? So you always have to sort of keep that in mind. But what's interesting is what happens in Hebrew is even if you go back to, well, for sure to the Dead Sea Scrolls, Hebrew did not have, the, it was written with no vowels. Okay, A-E-I-O-U, All right, we have our vowels. When you take a look at the actual written Hebrew back here, there is no vowels there's only consonants mm-hmm. okay so what that means is they the people would know how to read this in context and they would actually be supplying the vowels because they knew the language all right and what happened was is we didn't we didn't really know that and so what happened is six, it wasn't until 600 around 600 AD that people went back and started putting vowel markers in the actual Hebrew. All right? so that's how late.
1: You didn't know Hebrew. You don't. That's you right. You weren't reading it. Right. Wow.
0: Right. And understanding it. Okay. We're, so you had to start learning that I see these two words <coughs> that look the same, but obviously in context they're completely different words <laughs> and they mean something very different.
1: And you, were, you wouldn't know Hebrew unless you were
0: brought a, a Jew brought Hebrew right okay now what's fascinating about the Hebrew language is they brought back the Hebrew language in the 1940s or whatever in Israel if I remember right but the Hebrew la- it's really the same language so pretty much today I mean there are new words and everything but it's really based still back on what the Hebrew language back then because you had the scribes you had the Talmud you had all these things that That's preserved a lot of this. You had people who preserved the actual words and the sounding of that stuff. But the point here is what Hebrew does a lot. When the writers of Hebrew wrote, they would try to use this fact that I had words that were very close to sound just a little different to get across contrasts. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. So, for example, when God speaking here, and Isaiah's, you know, hearing this, writing it down. You notice in verse 4 here, there is, it says, a people laden with iniquity, okay? The word laden means, like, heavy, all right? It's like a weight, okay, on you, okay? It, it, means, it literally means oppressive or weighty or heavy on you, all right? The Hebrew word is kabad. It is really just three consonants when you look at it, okay? Just for the sake of it, if you have three consonants, write it to be K, B, D. That's all you would see if you read the Hebrew. So they would pronounce it like Kabet for for late in here, all right? Full, heavy, all right? There's another word that has the same three exact consonants. The sounds just a little different, and they would purposefully do this. All Mm -hmm. right, so I'm going to, if this works right, let's see if I can, if we can hear it.
2: Come on, do I have the TV on? Try again.
0: So, what is he doing? God's saying these people are heavy with iniquity. They're kabed. You hear that? Okay, there we go. Now I'm getting some sound. Okay, so listen to this. Okay, so I try it again. So, this is the word. Where'd it go? This is the word for laden here, all right, in Hebrew. Kaved. Hear that? Kaved. Actually, B is more like a V. Kaved. COVID. Kaved. Kaved. All right. Hear that? All right. Three consonants, called K-B-D. Now, once you turn to Isaiah 6, we're going to be in six. Go back to six a lot. It's interesting. Okay. So page 38. And this, is this I would say, is purposeful because the people know Hebrew. You, you, see that you see this contrast. So in verse 6, in verse 3, notice what it says. And one called to another and said, this is a seraphim. This is, so this is the vision that Isaiah is up in the heavenlies. Holy, holy, holy... Okay, it's like what I think is that what you said, Peter, too, about the Holy One of Israel. Those they're calling a holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of His what?
3: The Lord.
0: Glory. The word glory has exactly is is the same three letters,
2: mm-hmm.
0: exactly in the same order. So if I went back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I found the word glory here, and I went and looked in four, and I said a people laid in, and I found that word there, it would be the same consonants. Okay? But they are different words. <laughs> okay? And the Hebrew would know that. So this is what, this is what, this is what laid in sounds like. Okay. Covid Got that? This is what glory sounds like. Kavod. 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 You guys have probably heard that for glory before. Kavod.
3: Okay. Kavod.
0: What's happening here is God is, through his word, is showing the contrast. You now are a people no longer my glory. You are a people now heavy... So glory, just the word for glory, actually has a word. It's almost the exact same Hebrew word, but it it means a heaviness too. Okay, it's a it's like a weight. It's like something that's on you. Glory. Okay, full of glory. He's contrasting: Are you full and weighted with my glory, or are you full and heavy with my with not with my with sin? And you get this contrast here in verse that we're looking at right now. A people laden with iniquity. It's like literally, the it's even worse than the opposite. We're supposed to be a, a people full of God's glory. And yet you've turned into a people instead heavy
3: wow. with sin. Did that weight, the weight that's laden, Yeah. stupid. It's yeah. stupid. stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I get how you tell the
4: difference verbally, but how
0: would you tell the difference in the written? Form? They know how to do that. That's because
2: what do you mean? Brought... It.
5: Do do it? <laughs> we, we actually we actually do this today. If yeah, you guys, so it's it's, yes, a, it's, it's an information do. principle that there's redundancy built into language to avoid confusion. But when you compress a file in a computer. It does this. Yes. Removes it it yeah. unnecessary information in That's order right. to make the file smaller, more compact, more efficient, and then it can it can put it back in based on you know the context. Right. And mm-hmm.
0: So I could, for example, right now put up. Um, I don't think I have it up there right now, but I could put up the as an example of what he just said. I don't think I have it up here. Yeah, I don't. Um, where I could put up just consonants. I love the Lord your God with all your heart and just use the consonants and you would look at that and you would read it and you would know it. Okay. So again, it's why it's so important to know context. Okay. So obviously here the same word, which is really actually different words, but it's meant to sound the same to get the fact that you, you are a people who are supposed to be cavode, reflecting my cavode and you have become covet. And in Hebrew, the beauty of that, but also the power of hearing that language, how Hebrew does that, you just go, oh my gosh. And we don't get that in in here. We don't get, I read the word glory and then the word laden and I go, those are two English words that just don't have that sound anymore. The same thing happens in Genesis, happens all the way, where the serpent is crafty And the people recognize that they're naked. Naked and crafty are exactly the same consonants. But the vowels are put in again to show the contrast, to say the serpent has now made you see that you are now ashamed and naked through his craftiness. So anyway, you just have this play of words. But the point here is again what God's calling out calling out here, which is oh my gosh. This is what's happened to my people. They've become... What's bearing you right now? What's the burden on you? Is it the sin in your life? And what kind of bearing and burden that puts on you? And the weight it puts on you? Or is it the glory of God that's sitting on top of you? And what the difference with those two are? You know? So... Alright. Questions there? Any thoughts?
2: Well, I, I, I keep wondering about this as God is rebuking his people for going off it isn't like he's surprised he made us he's everything that's a that's a pretty that's the introduction to a pretty deep philosophical question like he let us go and yet he should he knows he' Why is he angry? He knows we're so stupid.
0: So here's, I'm going to just speak frankly for a second. We have to be careful about philosophy okay. in the sense of we do that. We have these things in our mind like God is omniscient and omnipotent, which I don't know if those are even the, word, the words of scripture. We have this theology, God's all-knowing, and he knows exactly everything that's going on. He knows what's going to happen, so like, why is he surprised? And I'm fine, just okay. What we have to be careful of is we can disconnect relationally from God when we hear that. Well, he knows that. He wants us to experience him knowing that. He wants us to be in this constant relationship. So the fact that we say, oh, well, God knew about us through all this time can almost be an excuse to say, well, he knew I was going to sin, so what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. God, but God in Scripture never talks like that. He never says, I knew you were going to do it, no big deal. I knew, Of course knew you guys were going to do this. No, he's always constantly as a father reaching out to us and saying, I love you, I care about you, stop sinning. I want to be in this relationship with you.
2: So it's almost like he's separating himself from his own creation. I don't mean to overintellectualize this, yeah. but I'm trying to think.
0: But he's not separating himself. That's what I'm getting at. He's not. He's doing just the opposite. He's like with his people saying,
2: stop this. Well, I, that's people. not what I meant by, yeah. by what yeah. I said, but that's okay. okay. I, uh-huh. I don't want to carry this on any longer. But No, but it's a
0: good, I think it's what you're bringing up as a good part. We have to watch. I think this is where we can move from, I know about God, to actually knowing God. Am I actually experiencing that relationship with God? Or am I just sort of intellectually, I know God feels this way about me, but it's just an intellectual thing. It's really experiencing what God's trying to do in Isaiah is have us experience the true love, but also the true horror of sin in our lives. What happens? We are forsaking the Lord. I mean that is a break of relation. We're despising the one that's holy. We're utterly estranged. You just get the language that. It's like, wow, this is what happens when we sin.
2: Instead of thinking it's okay, he forgives me. Exactly. Um, that's where,
0: That's where we get ourselves in trouble and just go, oh, "Boy, he forgives me," and not feel the full weight, the, 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 the weight, the bad and weight of right. the sin right. in which us tearing ourselves apart right. from God. Which is a imaginable
1: thing. When you think about well, if you get married and you yep. cheat on your wife,
0: uh-huh. very good. Are That's you going to be
1: surprised when she leaves? <laughs> right. No. First of course not. Why would you be surprised when God goes so you do?
0: Yeah. And you think of that as illustration because actually adultery, in fact, the word forsaken here glad you brought that up they have forsaken the Lord that Hebrew word is exactly the same word used for divorce in scripture Mm -hmm. in the Hebrew Bible Mm -hmm. you've divorced me you've just
4: and the Lord makes our sin as separate as he's in the West a a male-female breaking, there would have to be repeated, forgetting putting it aside daily we put it aside That's that's a considerable amount of work, Uh, but that's what
0: you know. Well, it's like again, like adultery. It's like, like, oh, I've committed adultery, and then you know your wife wants to forgive you, and she forgives you, and then you just go do it again. You you've broken this relationship, and the reason why you keep doing is because you are heavy with iniquity. (laughs) You're letting this uh, evil overcome
2: you. Yeah. In the midst of it, by Completely justifying. I mean, I've been through that recently, just justifying it, and then finally you realize wait a minute. Right. This is not what I was, you know, look how far down deep into this I am. Right. And I'm not doing what I have been told to do. Right. And you get deeper and deeper. So, I mean, I understand that, but.
0: And I think as we're reading this, I think the thing is I'm just sort of calling out is let these words hear God, not Greg, not hear, hear these words of the Lord speak to you. He's speaking to you personally. He's saying, what are you doing? <laughs> I love you. You know, he's trying to wake us wake us up and how easy it is to just pretty soon just go, ah, I don't really read the word of God anymore. I don't really do this anymore. You know, I sort of know about all this stuff and I know God forgives me and I know and I'm being a little facetious, but I, but that's serious though too. I know all these things, so it's okay for me to just then just separate pretty soon I just don't know God anymore. I'm not in a relationship with it anymore.
2: But when we find that out, when we finally realize it and we come back, we come back with a greater appreciation I mean I'm not justifying it, but we come back with a greater appreciation and the fact that we've wrestled through right. science, right, we've grown, and hopefully, we don't do that again. I mean, but you're talking about a bigger sweep of time with a whole nation right. rather than thinking about individually what we learn. From the fact that we love God. And he loves us. And we come back into relationship with him.
0: Well and that's why I think he wants us to see. And experience through these words. It's like the prodigal son again. He wants us to constantly re-experience. What it's like when we turn away from God. To know there's a father. Who we is running after us. Saying come back to me. Come back to me. You're my children. I love you. (laughs) And. I mean, I love beyond what we know humanly. This is how much our God loves us.
4: But don't yeah. don't you think though too we can wrestle with hard questions with God?
0: What well, we should. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so exactly what we should do. So right. to
4: wrestle or be perplexed or struggle can
5: actually lead to greater intimacy. Absolutely. Right. Right. Absolutely.
0: right. And but you just said the important yeah,
5: I mean, that's like, part. That's like joke. Yeah. yeah, Job right. in, the, in son, yeah. the Book of Job, he wrestles with God. He, he yeah. questions God, okay. and, kind of answers him, but in no place does God ever tell Job he should not. Stand. Right. No, he did And yeah. afterwards, it said
2: that he that, that Job pleased God, but his friends, who were kind of know it alls, mm-hmm. didn't. That's right. Yeah, Job had a great why? For him.
0: Why? Because because of exact. So you said the key the key word here, and that's why again I think. With Jeff and I were talking about this, you know. I mean it's a whole thing of, you know, doubting and we think, oh my God, just send it out. No, it's a sin to turn yourself away from God, to forsake him, and to go off somewhere else and despise him. Wrestle what? With, With God. Yeah. <laughs> what is David doing throughout the Psalms? Okay. He is saying things like, We're the have you been God? Okay? I mean he is crying out with every human emotion possible in the Psalms, and and you see it almost looks schizophrenic to you. It's like OCD. It's like what's the other thing the um, bipolar. Yeah, bipolar? It's like one minute. You know, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this to me, God. What in the you're forsaken but you whatever. And God, you're my God of steadfast love.
2: <laughs> That's wrestling.
1: Don't, don't you get the impression yeah. from David that he, he was like, if if God wasn't there with him for a moment, he was like, hey, whoa, what's going on right here? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, David was like that for a lot of his time and then yeah. Yeah. got lazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's why any one of us, we can walk out of here and pretty
5: soon just sure. be lazy. Oh,
1: yeah. And, and in a split second something really dumb. Is, yeah.
5: is, is there a contrast between somebody like David, who really, okay, in the context of Bathsheba and Uriah and all of that, obviously it's called out. David repents right away. He's restored, and he says, like, blessed is the one who God is not count, you know, recall as iniquity. But is there a contrast between David, who then God would refer back to always as righteous, and there's a righteous person kind of people that God will refer to as righteous. And then there's a separate group that's oh that's wicked, that's like intentionally it's not like they messed up in sin like like us. It's like they've their, never been part their of their that feet group. Are swift to shed blood. Yeah yeah. yeah. Right? And they're there's this group that, that God would just categorize as utterly wicked. Right. 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 Is is that not like part of the contrast here because i think a few chapters in he'll say you're doing these things and you think you think that i don't see you and that's (laughs) and that would that's what emboldens you in order to do that and um but it's almost because they don't think god is real right like like their other idols like the other idols that they say god god says i'm god you're relying on these other idols that are that can't see. People make them and all these other things. But uh, just the contrast between is there actually wicked people and then is there righteous people? Although the righteous people like David would sin still, but it's covered by the
0: Lord. So a couple thoughts on that. One is who is Isaiah addressed to? Everything Israel. we're reading about Isaiah in Isaiah, basically, ours addressed to the people who God personally saved, not because they were good in any way, right? It says that they were worthless, but he said, I'm choosing you to be my nation, my Israel, my people, my firstborn sons, and I'm going to save you you'll see that as he does that he calls them out to be a different type of people, right? The priests and kingdom of the world. I mean, he calls them to be the father, ultimately to become like him to the rest of the nations. But he then, but then Israel goes into Israel into the physical Israel, and you hear about those other nations. (laughs) And we're going to hear about other nations in in Isaiah. Those are not they're not considered, they're not they've never been in a relationship with God. Egypt, Babylon, Syria,
5: right? God uses them to judge Israel,
0: which we're going to see exactly. That's the irony. He judges them
5: for going overboard or whatever.
0: But God speaks to those who are His children, who know Him, differently than He does to people who don't. All right. So you do have the wicked people. You do have you do have that. Okay, and that. Well, I'll, I'll close with this verse. This in Ezekiel, you have that, and God's saying, I it, it mean, literally, it's like, I have a daughter, okay? She's my daughter, <laughs> okay? No one else is my daughter, all right? And I'm going to always treat her differently as her father because she is my daughter. And our God, our Father, who has chosen us, and we all as Christians now have that through Jesus. That we are gods, and we we read that in Galatians. We are the we are the sons. We are, we go back to Abraham. We are part of these children that are spoken about here, because we have become part of that because we've because of Jesus, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But the people who don't yet are not the children of God. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have evildoers. You have those that are it's not that they're forsaken and despised they've never even been part of the family <laughs> but what do we know is God desires all, men be
4: saved.
0: all people to be saved mm-hmm. alright mm-hmm. and he wants to call all people now back in um so I'm not sure if I'm answer any the question. Do you yeah, guys yeah, see, think that yeah, there's I mean, a difference?
5: Just, it just seems like there are God judges, right? And there's very specific things that happen. And, and, a, and a lot of people get killed in Israel. They get wiped out. They get taken into slavery. Bad things happen. But then there's a remnant, too.
0: That's right. And God restores.
5: Yeah. And there's always the promise. There's always the hope. Right. All of these bad things are going to happen. But then there's hope. Right. Yes, exactly. And then it's prophecies about the Messiah and God's ultimate plan. Exactly. In the even further future, but there's people that get wiped out, and it's like well, it's still know. happening, isn't it, mm-hmm. to Israel this very day? Yeah, I was just watching like all the bombs and all yeah, you know, that got hit, um, all the, the, right. So, so but I think, God's protecting yeah. them today because I was talking <laughs> to somebody who's Jewish and just like what are, what's the probability that Israel would survive the first few years with all of their enemies around? all of them trying to wipe them off the map. and But is God protecting them today? Absolutely. I think so. Absolutely. And they're right. not even they're yeah. recognizing the Messiah.
2: Well, they don't... But, they don't rec- uh, I was just talking to somebody from Israel this morning. They, they don't recognize... They, they've really drifted yeah. in their relationship to God. Yeah. And I'm sure he's still over them, overshadowing them, but...
3: Probably trying to get their attention. I think it, it's going to be, it's, you see the same thing, I think what you're seeing, I remember Vernon uh, McGee always going, God's going to have some answers, have to come up with some answers for <clears throat> dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah the way he did, and not dealing with the United States mm. for their sins. Well, and that was I, 40 years ago. And I think what you're gonna see is the same God exacting judgment against the US and against Israel for the sins they're committing right now. Right. It's, big, it's this constant yeah. thing of us do it we we mm-hmm. we have success, mm-hmm. we don't need God. <clears throat> But as soon as things go really bad, where are you? Right? So I think you see this constant relationship. Yeah.
0: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. And I think the only thing I'll say, because we will deal with this more, see you, Gail, we'll deal with this more as we get, as we go through um, Isaiah, is I, it's just a caution. And the caution is, and we use the words like right now, like U.S., Israel. Okay. Those words, What we have to look at that from a scriptural perspective because the word Israel, Israel is a nation mm-hmm. today. And just when we say Israel does not mean that the people that all live in Israel today are oh, all big, saved.
5: Yeah. okay,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> Or are going to be part of the remnant yeah. or whatever. And we're going to see this as we go here. We have to be sort of careful of that because we're talking about who are God's chosen people. And just like how God manifested himself differently. He deals with his people differently. It's like Jesus purposefully changed in the Beatitudes the we just went through from talking about one of the Beatitudes of talking about specifically the nation of Israel to now speaking to all the world. All right, And so you see with Jesus what's happened is we've gone from a national Israel people to now the whole world. Okay, we are part of that, Gentiles, <laughs> all right? Um, but what's interesting is we are grafted in now yeah. as part of that Israel. So, I mean, it gets really confusing, but we just have to always be careful about our language because we can say what's happening in Israel and the people, well, what people, and who are the people, and, yeah, anyway, just there's, a chosen, and, there, there's,
3: yeah. there's, and then there's... Yeah, right, from the, the chosen
0: are not necessarily. If I go to Israel today, is that just the people in Israel that were chosen, or is it? I mean, <laughs> it, it gets very confusing. But we'll talk about that more as we go through Isaiah and see some of that. Okay. Um, so anyway, we could, we will get into those discussions. As we go through. I'm going to close because I said I'd be down by 8:45. So let's see if I can read this really quick. <laughs> okay. I just want to end this part of four here with the very last word where it says they have forsaken the Lord they have despised the Holy One of Israel and they are utterly estranged actually those words forsaken, despised and estranged all sort of point to something and Ezekiel is just one example I could read a number of other passages but I want to close with this for us to think of um, where this word is used and what is it that's causing these people to be this way what have they turned to alright and so I'm going to read Ezekiel 14, 1 through 11. Um, and just think of these this language here of forsaken, as spies, utterly or str- utterly. I can never say that. I or strange.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, think of a cow.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So it says, Then certain elders of Israel came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me. Here we have Ezekiel. Here is God speaking to them again. Son of man, these men have taken the and who's these men here? These are the people of Israel. This is his children that he called out. Okay. These men have taken their idols into their hearts. You see how, remember what did we said we're supposed to do in Isaiah, how we opened this whole meeting today? We are supposed to understand who with our hearts? Okay? And what they have done is taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. And this is God talking. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Anyone of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. So the same exact word that he's using here, of estranged. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, What are we to do? Repent, and turn away from your idols. Turn away your faces from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel or the strangers who sojourn in this Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart, and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, And yet comes to a prophet to consult consult me through him. I, the Lord, will answer him myself. And I will set my face against that man. And I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand against him. And would destroy him from the midst of the people of Israel. Ooh. And they shall bear their punishment. The punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike, that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor def- and there you go, estranged, astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions. Why is God doing this? But that they may be my people, and I may be their God, declares the Lord. There you see again, why is God doing this really hard language about when we turn away from Him? Because He says, you are my people, I have chosen you, I have saved you from this oppression. And what are you doing? You're turning and worshipping something other than me. And it's now all the way into your heart, and you wonder why I can't you can't understand with your heart anymore. It's because you turned idols, and you're gonna see this thing throughout Isaiah. So again, but listen to God. What does it say at the very beginning? I'm doing this because I love you.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. You're
0: my God, I'm gonna you're my people, I am your God. And you just get this God who just, no matter what, is going to do everything He can to make sure we are part of yeah. His children. Yeah,
3: so, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's that's what when you just uh, listen to it's like, dude, this guy just doesn't quit. Yeah. He just does bananas. going not going to give up bananas, on just we're not just going to give up every little thing, all the details, all the this guy, that guy, that country, this. Everything. It's like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't speak to. That's sort of a loving relationship. All right.
0: Well, Father, we thank you for this evening. And these are harsh words, but harsh words from a loving parent. And Lord, uh, we thank you. um, Thank you right now, Lord. Beyond anything we can thank you for, that you, having known that we were hopeless, that we were in sin, that we had no way out, that you sent your son to die on a cross. That not only will we have hope, but that today you live in us so we may know you. And I just pray for all of us as guys this week, Lord. May every day, every hour that passes, Lord, may we know you. May we hear you with our ears, see you, may we understand you with our hearts, and turn to you. And turn away from anything else that would forsake you or despise you or cause us to be estranged. Mm -hmm. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the God of Hesed, steadfast love. Who no matter what, is going to run after us. Even as one lost sheep. Because you love us so much. Mm -hmm. May we experience that fully, Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: amen. Amen.